Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. You can listen to a podcast uh, at any time, I suppose. But welcome to uh, OSSTF District 29's brand new Political Action Committee podcast. This is D29 Unpacked. Very impressive. I'm uh, your host, Adam Gibson, the uh, Political Action Committee representative from beautiful Bayside Secondary School. And with me, gentlemen, why don't you introduce yourselves? CeeLo, hit it. Hey, Chris Masterson, also from Bayside Secondary School. I'm the executive liaison to the PAC committee and a political junkie at heart. <laughs> Bremner? My name is Jason Bremner. I've been a uh, political action officer here for a few years and uh, former political action You mean for centuries? Chair. Yeah, centuries is more like it. <laughs> I've been provincial PAC chair and vice chair and... Uh, I'm here now. Here for the sage advice. Here for the I think. advice. That is your purpose. Um, so right <laughs> off the bat, uh, for all your listeners out there, we need to identify what is the purpose of the pod. Like, what are we even doing here? Uh, I'll go to you first, Chris. Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the PAC committee, of course, is a District 29 committee uh, that meets once a month. And uh, our committee got together in September and decided that um, – with everything that's coming potentially down the road with the Ford government, we thought it was a good way to engage members, uh, uh, motivate members, uh, educate members if needed. Um, and we looked at doing something different than a regular meeting. A regular meeting, you sit down, you get information, you take the information away, and it, it kind of doesn't usually go very yeah. far. Uh, so the idea here was we wanted to create something. And uh, I'm not sure whose brilliant idea this was. They probably should be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, it goes well, right now, but. if it goes well, I'm taking the credit. <laughs> okay, yeah, and if it goes Gibby down, gets the credit. And, it's, uh, uh, if it's bad, it's all Scott Marshall. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is he is the elected, the top elected dog, so he's got to take heat for anything that uh, yeah. might happen. <laughs> <clears throat> but if it goes well, it was all us. Um, you know, I think that's a pretty good summary of the purpose here today. We're going to break up today's uh, pod into a series of segments and uh, find a variety of ways to try and get them to you. Probably you're seeing this through a link in an email uh, to a personal email account, but I promise you we will improve upon email technology, maybe fax, carrier pigeon, something like that. Uh, we'll make sure we get it out to you. District 29 Facebook page. I know yep. a lot of members don't necessarily know it exists, but it does follow it, and we'll try to get the link on Now you too. do. And if at any point you would like to contact us, uh, you can always write us at d29pac at gmail.com. That's district29pac at gmail.com. Not case sensitive, not at all. So coming up on the uh, pod today, we're going to hit a few topics. One is a review of the recent trustee elections in the HPEDSB and tell you how that went down uh, from our perspective. Uh, a brief review of what we think is going to be coming down the road with the Ford government. It's, I don't think it's so subtle. Uh, I bet you can guess. Um, and then we have an op-ed coming from Jason off the turnbuckle with a, uh, a, uh, an op-ed uh, near the end of the program. We will conclude and sign off and uh, we will check back with you in segment two coming up right after this break. All right, welcome to our first uh, substantive uh, segment, I suppose, of D29 Unpacked. 
uh, we're going to discuss uh, some of the results of the recent trustee elections from this past fall's municipal elections. First thing I want to do is uh, is ask UJ, uh, with a lot of experience, can you tell us what is the role of a trustee? What is a trustee? Well, a trustee is supposed to be a democratically elected member to represent the public at the school board and in matters of education within the community. But initially, their job was also inclusive of taxation. That's gone now. Okay. So really, if you're a member of the public, that trustee is your... Your voice. Your voice. Okay, pretty good. And uh, CeeLo, you want to tell the good people out there, how did it go? Well, from from a teacher's perspective, I think it went fairly well. Uh, as a lot of you know, we... Uh, uh, the PAC committee uh, developed a questionnaire. Um, we got answers from a number of people running for the trustees. I think almost everyone who was new uh, answered questions for us. They were in a newsletter that the members got and um, very positive uh, results in that uh, all five new people to the to the board um, were very positive about reaching out, discussing with unions, uh, with the teachers Good. as a stakeholder in education, something Good. that maybe was lacking in the past. Um, I know um, there's often a reluctance on behalf of the trustees to discuss things with the union, discuss things with teachers. Uh, this group uh, seems much more interested in, in working with, consulting with, uh, talking to us as teachers. That's positive. All right, let's look at some of the uh, trustees who were newly elected. Uh, in particular, I want to go down some results really quickly. In Belleville itself, we had uh, Lisa Ann Chatton and Michael Rush elected. Uh, in Quinney West, Kristen Parks was elected, uh, ousting longtime incumbent Jim Williams, uh, who had been trustee for a, a very long time there. Um, can I say, yeah. uh, says, uh, tells the same stories uh, at graduation year after year? <laughs> can I just add that part in there? <laughs> I think you just did. <laughs> Uh, in Quinney West, that covers both Trenton and CFB Trenton. Uh, also an incumbent, Tom uh, Benieris was ousted by, this time, Spencer uh, Hutchinson. Uh, in Prince Edward County, Allison Kelly was elected as a winner. And then we had three other seats who were acclaimed. Jennifer Cobb uh, from the North, Shannon Brinder Bay from Southeast Hastings, Lucille Kyle from North East Hastings, and then there's still an appointment. Yeah, uh, the appointment from and Tom Jennifer Cobb is actually from the county. Uh, oh, okay, pardon me. Pardon me, I misspoke. All right, I, I thought it might be useful to people. Uh, CeeLo mentioned earlier how uh, the results were pretty positive for us. I just want to look at some of the specifics uh, because the survey that we sent out um, came back with some pretty positive results. We also have some information from uh, an Inquity article uh, from around the same time period that ran a questionnaire itself. So let me have a peek here. Allison Kelly uh, responded to our question where we asked, would you be willing to meet with teacher unions directly to discuss issues in education? Um, she said, yes, one of the most significant gaps I see in today's current school board is the lack of interrelationship among students, teachers, parents, school staff, principals, unions, the community and board members. To make holistically informed decisions, the board needs to be hearing from those doing the on the ground work. And I think that's us. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that is. That's, that's something that, uh, you know, I know me personally, I've been clamoring for that for years. Like make the sit when you make decisions, consult the people on the front lines sure. before you make these decisions. Ask the people who are there, who are doing it every day. Uh, I think I think that's a good first step. And I'd also add that, um, in some of the states, Chicago in particular, this is the kind of approach uh, that the public took, the unions took 
to save public education. They decided that we needed this holistic approach. The schools needed to sure. be a community place. They needed to involve all partners in the community working together, the unions, the parents, the students, community groups. Uh, it needed to, the community needs to feel invested in that building, in the education system. And, and that went a long way to kind of save some of the public education in uh, certain states, particularly Chicago, I'm thinking of. And I think that's something we need to do if things are going to unfold the way sure. they might. Sounds positive. What do you got on Michael Rush? Yeah, well, Michael, one of the, the things that uh, he's quoted as saying is that he's concerned that the current provincial government will take uh, quickly take steps to move towards voucher and charter schools, something we'll talk about in the next segment, and also a net zero bargaining, meaning that there would be no increase uh, in salary, which you know a lot, a lot of people might say, well, that's okay. However, if inflation's 2 to 3% a year, you work yeah. five years without an increase, you're making 10 to 15% less than you were sure. uh, before. So, And uh, he uh, also mentioned uh, the privatization of central services. So he's, he said he wants to be a strong voice at our school board table uh, when the government moves towards eroding uh, some of these uh, parts of the public Good. school system. So I think that's hugely uh, uh, positive for us. And uh, Spencer Hutchinson here on uh, one of the questions we sent out uh, the same one that Allison Kelly uh, answered, would you be willing to meet with teacher unions to discuss? And he wrote back, of course, I believe in talking to all involved in our children's education and to seek input with anyone who is involved with public schools in Hastings and Prince Edward. So pretty positive stuff, Jay, you think? I think you, you can't go wrong with something like that. But what I find is that trend runs through a lot of the different trustee responses. You know, you got Allison Kelly, Lisa Ann Chadden, and Spencer Hutchinson. They're all saying they want that increase in transparency. They want more community. They want more input. Good. You know, I bet, I bet if you fill a room with teachers and ask them some questions, you'll probably get some answers. Yeah. Uh, and they might just get that. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with segment three. All right, thank you for hanging with us. We're on to our third major segment of the first installment of D29's Unpacked Political Action Committee podcast. And this has the potential to be uh, an entire podcast series upon its own. Sometimes you just have to uh, turn the key for Chris Masterson on the Ford government, <laughs> stand back, and uh, you can go get a sandwich. It doesn't matter if you're in the room or not, come back and see is still going. So the big uh, kind of focus question for this segment, uh, what are the early indications of where the Ford government is headed five minutes ago? Well, I think everyone's been watching the news and it's not gonna be a surprise to people that uh, he's, him and his government have moved fairly quickly in a lot of areas, and that seems to be the MO of uh, our current right-wing governments around the world. Yeah. Um, really, this is not unique to Ontario. This is something that's happening a lot of places. But the, the big thing that gives it all away to me is when they came in, uh, they did a line-by-line -line audit from the company Ernst & Young uh, of government expenditures and, uh, of course, claimed that there's a... Uh, a $15 billion deficit, et cetera. But they named the summary of the line-by-line -line review. They named it Managing Expectations, a Roadmap to Cuts and Privatization. <laughs> if, it gets me every time. Sometimes I think to myself, am I just 
fear mongering? Am I just scared? <laughs> but if that doesn't scare do the hell out of everyone listening, I don't know what does. Well, every government in the past always has a report like this. It's a starting point. It's a political tool to get a little bit of leverage to move their own agenda. You get a, an auditing company that will meet your demands That's and right. say, let's get what we want. So this is no great surprise. Yeah. The, the liberals did it with the Drummond report, right? Yeah, the same yeah. same concept back in 2012 or whatever. We got everyone kind of mobilized and got anxious. And, uh, of course, we know what happened. We know what happened with there. And then we don't want to go back to revisit that <laughs> horrible history. Um, so, uh, But this, to me, is, is much scarier. Uh, you know, some of the things that the Ford government's done just quickly, if you haven't really paid too close attention to the news, uh, of course, the reveal of, uh, uh, repeal of the... Uh, uh, health curriculum, phys ed and health curriculum, probably affects elementary schools more than it affects us. Yeah. Um, but um, our people are still in disarray, not knowing sure, sometimes yeah. what, what to teach or what's what, okay and what, what's yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the launch of a web-based snitch line for people to, to tattle on teachers, basically. Uh, that's pretty scary. I mean, in my mind, we kind of already had that with OCT. <laughs> I, mean, I looked at OCT as a, as a snitch line already. Um, but this is like literally any kind of complaint you want to call them about um you know they made some other things maybe not education related they made cuts to the anti-racism uh um uh director they disbanded the disbanded the roundtable on violence against women they repealed the green energy act uh <laughs> they rolled back funding funding for mental health they withdrew from the western climate initiative and the cap and trade system which actually affects us because uh, money under the Liberal government from cap and trade, $100 million was earmarked to help repair our schools. And that money's now gone uh, with the uh, getting rid of the cap and trade. And that's that's huge because I think all of us, at least in secondary schools, know that our high schools are in pretty bad yeah, physical I a, shape. I got a wicked drip outside of my classroom that's <laughs> oh, I saw uh, that hanging around for a couple. Yeah, yeah, it's back. It's back. <laughs> and you know what? The, the Actually, the drip at Bayside has been happening for quite a long time. It just moves spaces. It was in one office and now it's just down the, down the hallway. I'll be kind of sad when it's gone. To be <laughs> uh, you know, there's all kinds of other things. They've uh, pressed pause on the uh, parent reaching out grants, which is something the liberals established to assist parents uh, in involvement and support of student uh, achievement, human rights. Of course, we all know that uh, we probably, most of us have heard about the fact that uh, at their uh, party convention a couple weekends ago, uh, the extreme right part of the party put forward uh, a proposal or a policy uh, that would basically say there's no such thing as being transgendered. It's I guess it's all in your head. I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. It passed. Uh, he's now since said under public pressure that um, that he won't ever enact anything like that. Uh, <clears throat> of course, Bill 148 uh and getting rid of the minimum wage increase to fifteen dollars an hour until 2025 i think Jay. that's right uh yeah. so there the the list is long already it is Free, a... freeze on public sector uh hirings um uh which doesn't affect education yet uh etc but going into the line by line <laughs> review that managing expectations a roadmap to cuts and privatization there are a lot of areas for concern and one of the things is uh, there's uh, a mention in there that the most efficient way to fund education might be through uh, charter schools and voucher. It specifically says that. And a voucher system is simply where parents would get money, the grant that would go for their student, they'd get a portion of that or all of that, and they'd be able to choose where they went to school, right. uh, where they sent their kid to school, which would lead to an increase in private schools 
uh, of course, which devastates us. And then if the States is any indication, and actually not just the States, England, Sweden, all kinds of places, what ends up happening is your public schools get starved. Yeah, sure. And your private schools, funding goes elsewhere, funding goes elsewhere and, and uh, parents who can afford to send their kid to top up to send their kid to yeah. a private school do that. So, but hey, he's a defender of the people. people. Buck yeah. of beer. <laughs> yeah, buck of beer. Um, <laughs> you know, so what that's going to look like for us, I don't know. I, I mean, there, there's a lot of concern too around um, him creating, uh, making Ontario a right to work uh, province, which yes. would simply mean that. Uh, members of the union would get the benefits of being in the union. They would get, say, we stayed in the union, uh, you and I, Gibby. Uh, they would get whatever we negotiated, and that would be their contract too, but they don't have to pay union dues if they don't want to. Right. So it's a free ride. And of it, course, the end result of that is that the union gets hollowed out from within. That's right. That's right. And in the end, it doesn't have the ability to pursue collective bargaining right. in the way that it should. And the result is that workers' rights decline. <laughs> Pay declines, uh, benefits decline. Okay. And the, the bigger thing of that is you're going to get animosity in your schools. Yeah. I know for division me, for example, exactly I'm going to I'm going to be extremely upset with people in my school if I'm paying union dues and they're getting the free ride and they're complaining about things and they're do and, and they're getting that free ride i'm, I'm going to be visibly upset if you really sure. want to see a history of what that looks like you go to wisconsin yeah i was thinking the same thing under scott walker and he was just ousted and if you go back and look at what it was like before him and what it was like after him that's like a clear cut and burn of any kind of labor rights and laws wow. yeah, and one last thing you know that they talk a lot about finding efficiencies and saving money and i think most of us support that concept in our government uh, i can think of some ways to do it there are lots of ways to do it, but I would say that in education, I think it's a bit it's a bit false. Or if they are going to save the money, it's going to be from the backs of, of uh, staff. It's not going to be in, in any support other way. Support workers, but it's yeah. support workers yeah, too. Sure. Uh, but the one way they could is to create one school system in in two official languages. Um, but I don't think they're ever going to do that because it's not really about saving money. It's about having that increased competition. So if they take away uh, they create us down to one school system. There goes competition. Sure. So then, there in their minds, there goes accountability. There goes all those things. I think you're also going to see. Uh, there's some talk that they're going to have um, funding, grant for student need funding, based on results, which is also scary. It doesn't matter how you cut that one. At three quarters of a billion dollars on the low side, and about one point three billion dollars on the higher side, the CCPA, Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, had all kinds of economists look at that, and that's the estimate somewhere between three quarters of a billion and one point two three billion dollars of savings. It's like that you're in that list at the start. I was thinking it's like uh, greatest hits of the common sense revolution. Right? <laughs> it, it, it's similar, but I I think uh, uh, but beyond too. Right? I think it's this beyond. is. I think beyond. this could be beyond. Um, and, and you know, one of the things that they're talking about too uh, in the this was actually in the 2017 audit, annual report by the Auditor General. So even before Ford came in, uh, government was looking at monitoring student achievement in areas where professional development was provided to measure effectiveness right. of the training. So in other words, you go to PD yep. and you get PD and now they're going to monitor your students. You're going to have to produce data and sure. it's going to decide whether PD, that PD or PD in general is worth uh, continuing to do. So, so there's a good segment folks to get you all riled up for the next uh, <laughs> couple of years. Uh, I don't know. I seem to have a skill at that. <laughs> <laughs> get your uh, signs ready. 
Yeah, that's and right. Well, and, that, and, and your emergency is ready and get prepared. We're, to get we're not there, there yet, but that's part of what this podcast is about, yep. right? Getting, keeping people informed to be say, aware, get you know, be aware, get ready. Uh, there's no guarantee of what's going to happen, but but something could be coming for sure. All right, stay tuned for an op-ed from Jason Grebner. I'm sure that every single one of you out there has heard the news and have been left with that feeling of dread. We know the storm's brewing. We know the policymakers are meeting. We know that eventually Doug Ford and the dangerous crew of Harperites, Harrisites, the Reform Party former brain trust, will finish chopping down the trees planted by the Liberals. Once that landscape is burned and barren, they'll turn their sights even more on public services. This leaves education workers a little unsettled and creates some doubt, some fear, some anxiety. At this point in the year, many of us are suffering from levels of tiredness, exhaustion. We know that eventually the crosshairs will turn our way. What does that mean for us? What should we be doing right now so we're ready? The answers are more simple than you think. We must overcome the barriers between us first and foremost. Your colleagues are your most valuable allies in what is to come. We need to have conversations with each other about what is coming. We need to talk about it, and we need to know that everyone is ready to meet it together. Whether you're a unionist or not, education workers will all battle these challenges together. The people in your workplace are the foundation of public education, and if that is of value to you, then let each other know. When it's time to stand together, and the the last person that we should be questioning is the one standing beside us. Everyone asks the same questions. How do we fight them? How do we stand up to them? How do we make a difference? How? The answer to all the questions is the same. How do we fight them? Together. How do we stand up to them? Together. How do we make a difference? Together. Everyone will be asked to take part in the effort of what is to come. There'll be asks of your time and effort and even your courage. We will support each other and hold each other up. We will open our circle to the like-minded in our community, and we must let people know why public education is so valuable, and we must let our opponents know we'll stand up and be heard over any rhetoric. This isn't a call to arms. It's a call to awareness. I'd be the happiest person in the world if there was no need to fight. But I'd be a naive person if I thought there was no need to be prepared. People call it grassroots with good reason. Grass is pervasive, numerous, and resilient. Its roots endure drought and fire and cold. In times, those roots spread, supporting interconnected growth in all directions, a foundation to build on. For grass supports so many other things, so does public education. And we're the roots. And we need to be ready. Okay, thank you for joining us for the very first installment of District 29's Unpack. We made it, gentlemen. Yeah. They said uh, we'd never do it. Yeah, and you know what? We're right on time. (laughs) If you look at the time up there, we're we're bang on. Hey, good for us. Uh, So don't uh, don't forget, if you want to contact us, it's d29pac at gmail.com. 
Um, and that's one way we, you can fire us off an email. Yeah, we want to hear your ideas. Give and us some questions. ideas, some topics. Yeah, questions, ideas, guests. Guests. Oh, yeah, oh, we want guests for sure. Think of all the guests we could potentially. Yeah. Oh, there could be some some pretty funny ones. <laughs> there, <I think. laughs> Local dignitaries, celebrities. Are we bringing in retired teachers? No. Oh, no, no. no. They're off the clock. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, don't forget to write us there. Uh, keep checking OSSTF District 29's website, uh, our Facebook uh, feed we'll try and get the pod out to you that way we'll keep trying to send it out through email as well he's we, trying to say we don't know how we're going to get it out there yet but we'll figure it out this is a bare bones operation we'll find you yeah we will find you that's right um keep your ears to the ground for us because we will be back to record our next one the last monday in january am La- i right last monday in january and look for it the week after that so probably the first week of february just as the right, semester's right. uh so i guess start. that means have a good holiday break we need to say yeah, that right yeah, now happy get holidays. some rest and uh relaxation we're still looking for a flagship sponsor so uh <laughs> uh anyone with money bags out there the good folks at mucho burrito what do we need maybe? the money for uh i have i have ways i can spend it <laughs> okay yeah we need another set of headphones that's true Jake, we, we need a, okay, three for guys Jake. through on two headphones <laughs> um and stay in contact with us we hope to do a good job for you and uh, represent your interests at the political action committee our thanks to spirit of the west and we'll see you in the new year <laughs>